2: Sexy,
3: seductive, dangerous, you are listening to Spirit Normal on the Fringe Radio Network and it's episode 69, yeah baby,
2: gonna, gonna butter your bread, come and talk to me,
3: Oh, us well, right, Alright,
4: right, welcome back to Conspiranormal. It's, uh, as you just heard, is episode 69. Yeah. Quite uh, a momentous uh, number for us.
3: <laughs> and, and your, your boy uh, is working on his funk voice.
4: Oh yeah, you never know when I'm
3: gonna start up that funk band.
4: Well, you never know when you're gonna need a funk, vo- a <laughs> funk voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. Get it. Get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a couple of weeks. Uh, Rob is not here tonight. He uh, had a family emergency. One of his kids is kind of kind of sick, so uh, he wasn't able to come out. Yeah, uh, he's
3: just bsing.
4: Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, had a good. Uh, we had a good show with uh craig chicconi last uh couple of weeks ago um i think you guys learned a lot about about um assassinations of the 1960s yeah yeah I, I yeah i learned a few things yeah for sure yeah absolutely um one of the uh, i think rob was kind of like was kind of like taken aback by it too by just how much information that the guy knew we, we're gonna have to have him back on i think uh, tonight we have a guest that uh, I think is is equally uh, knowledgeable about uh, very many things, and that's Doctor uh, James Fetzer. Uh, sometimes someone's as actually as Jim Fetzer. Um, he is uh, in the nine eleven truther movement, but lately he's been speaking about the Sandy Hook incident that happened in, in twenty twelve. So, we're going to have him on to talk about that. I also want to talk about the Boston bombing and maybe get his ideas on some of the other shootings, like the Batman shooting in 2012 and last year with the whole uh, Elliot Rodgers shooting in California. I want to see what his opinion is on that as well. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, we don't get too many emails on Conspiranormal uh, as compared to other podcasts. I don't really know why, but someone did take the time to email us, and <laughs> did not get a, like, a real confirmation whether I could read this person's email on the air. It's anonymous, Who cares? <laughs> Yeah, well, no, it was, uh, no, it wasn't Oh, right. that's right. It, was, yeah, it was okay, somebody's, okay. somebody's name, which actually is the same name as mine, which is actually kind of strange, but we we're going to talk about it a little bit, and what was strange <laughs> about it is we sit here and we joke about how we're going to get thrown off the fringe radio network and all this kind of thing. And, you know, we had Thad McCracken on the show and he was, and he's F cursing, word, F every other sentence, every other second, uh, which, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't care about that, but you know, there are people out there that probably would. And also talking about a lot of sexual themes about what was it? Something was licking his nipples or something, <laughs> you know? So, Hey,
3: it's part of the story though. You know, he had to tell it.
4: Yeah, I'm sitting there freaking out about it. Because Fringe Radio Network, uh, we don't consider ourselves a Christian show, but there are a lot of Christian shows on there. So naturally there's going to be people that have that point of view listening to the Fringe Radio Network, listening to the podcast feed, listening to the Stitcher, all that stuff. But Luke, we just had this conversation and it kind of bled into the show last week about overpopulation. And Luke's views on overpopulation and what should be done about overpopulation, and apparently, (laughs) with someone, it uh, it struck a nerve, and I just they were they had said that they were kind of tired of they said quote like "Luke's, Luke's juvenile antics. Uh, his comments. Understandable. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, no,
3: really, I, I have a super dry sense of humor, dude. mm
4: mm-hmm. Not me. <laughs> you, like, mm-hmm. you're one of the only people that think I'm funny, I think. <laughs> well, the one of the reasons that I have you here is because that I like your point of view, and I enjoy also the humor that you bring to it. Now... Luke, if you kind of want to clarify for anybody that hasn't heard that show what your point of view on overpopulation is mm-hmm. real quick, and then we'll kind of get at your feelings yeah. on that on I that mean, email.
3: I, I believe that I've said it before. I've, I've said it a couple times on previous shows, but, um, you know, we are, anyone who, I believe that anyone who does not see that we do have a population problem is kind of foolish. Sorry to put it like that, but you are. I mean there's overgrazing, there's uh what's that guy's name? Uh starts with an M. Lived in the seventeen hundreds and Malthus. he Malthus. Math Malthus, yeah, yeah, perfect. He wrote that essay about overpopulation, overgrazing. And um and also, you know, I'd like to point out, and I've done this before too, that I don't think that I'm any more special than someone who's a junkie or a crack addict or something like that. I don't think that my life is any more valuable than his necessarily. But there is no natural selection and there, there is no selection of the fittest, you know, the strongest survive anymore because everyone survives thanks to our great medical system. So, I mean, you know, something's got to be done. Something's got to take these people out and the, the elitist understand that. And while they are also my enemy as well, since I'm a commoner peasant nobody, um, I still can side with them issues like that if, if if that even is the case you know like i think a lot of people are just over you know just paranoid about stuff that's not even going on ex- concentration camps etc which are most of the time just abandoned friggin warehouses or something with the fences with you know the barbed wire leaning in the wrong way or something but
4: <laughs> well certainly you have the alex Joneses of the world that scream about overpop about eugenics and yeah. Uh, how they want to kill everybody. I think the and eugenics have... of the 20s was
3: a great movement. I mean, you know, you could hate me if you want to, but... <laughs> wow, here comes some more mail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, bring it on. I mean, that's that's just how I feel. And, and just like I said, I don't think that my life is necessarily more or less valuable than anybody else, any other scumbag or whatever, because everybody's got their role and their contribution to society in some way. And, um, you know, so, something's got to be done about it.
4: Well... I would ask you this, and I think I've asked you this before, um, in other all our other conversations, is who makes that decision? Who's going to make the decision on who lives and dies? Well, um,
3: the the elitist uh, can try to. Well, I mean, what it looks like, in my assumption, is that they're trying to take really underhanded ways to you know undermine the health of the public. But uh, they they could try, but usually the way it goes is that. You know, it's still it's still kind of some process of natural selection going on. And nowadays, it has to do with just the intelligence of the individual. You know, because uh, every I mean, I don't know if people have noticed, but people are the lifespan here in the life expectancy here in America has dropped a lot. You know, how often do you see like ninety something year old? But well, well, uh, you
4: still you you still see people that are ninety something years old. Yeah, they few and far between. Yeah, I phrased that the wrong that, way. That, That's that's is yet to be kind of determined. Exactly, that's as yet our... to be determined.
3: You're right, but but what I was what I meant to say is that I highly doubt that there will be a lot of people in their 80s and 90s here yeah. in the upcoming future. Because uh, you know, even when I was still working at uh, my last job, I had a lot of um, southeastern Asian women in there with me, and uh, I got to talking to this one girl. Who was saying that everybody in her country, the life expectancy had like really fell within like the past couple of decades? Hmm. And I said, "What do you think? It, what do you think it is? You know, why is that?" And she said, "It's uh, it's the alcohol. It's different. The alcohol is different in our country than it is in America."
4: The alcohol, yeah. And so people
3: uh, apparently the their country has uh, um, uh, Laos has like a real problem with drinking, and she said that uh, everybody's dying now in their fifties.
4: Well, that reminds me. There was a story that came out, I think, last week or the week before, about the people in, I think, it was Zimbabwe, and they were at a funeral, and like two hundred something people died from drinking poison beer. Wow, or something like that. Anyway, yeah, I I just look at statistics in that. I'm not really one of the people that was is quick to say the elite are killing us. I'm not. Uh, yeah. I'm not one of those people. I've kind of revised my viewpoint on that somewhat. I think some of what you see going on as far as like Monsanto is the fact that maybe, hey, maybe the population is booming a little bit more and they are trying to catch up and come up with all these crops and make these cheap foods. That, and it turns out that people are killing us, and, but that that food is killing us. Um, as far as statistically, when you look at... North and South America combined, there's a billion people just in North and South, one billion people in North and South America. That's not a lot of the six and a half billion. So, and in our state, in Tennessee, there's six and a half million people in Tennessee. Right. And there's eight million people, or a little bit more, in New York City. So I think it's just where people are concentrated.
3: Well, it, 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 it uh, obviously there is going to be like a bias for people, uh, living in, in a rural area, area versus an urban area. Uh, of course, you know, me, us living here in the city, we see people everywhere, and we're always sitting in traffic and stuff like that. So you know, Yeah, I can it,
4: tell you from living in Atlanta for three years, it's a lot, a lot smoother here. Traffic here is I, nothing compared I know, to there.
3: Yeah, I know what you mean. I've been to Atlanta a few times. But, uh, uh, you know, on a global scale, I, I just believe, you know, that's it's my opinion, but I just believe that there are just way too many people in, you know, you open up an environmental science textbook and and uh, look at the the footprints of each major country, um, and America uses more resources than any other country in the world, and by a long shot too, with China in second place.
4: Realize that when you talk about this kind of thing or this subject, you are hitting on an emotional issue with a lot of people. Some oh, of this, yeah. some of this is emotional. Uh, first of all, was what I just said my point i just made about you know who makes the decision on who lives and who dies the second point is is that people don't want to see children killed or they don't want to see children being you know abortion is a huge emotional right issue of course and, and i make and the I decision agree with abortion on who, too. <laughs> who yeah you i know and who makes the decision on who gets aborted and who doesn't yeah you know part of uh, what we're going to talk about tonight with uh the whole Sandy Hook thing is that people don't want to look at it critically because of the idea that children were killed. Of course, there are some, like Dr. Fetzer, who will say that children were not killed. But the fact that they say children were killed, it almost becomes this sacred thing. Like, you can't touch that mm-hmm. in a way. You can't touch the sacred cow. So it's it's a very emotional i think it's subject, a very emotional yeah, right. issue and i think you hit a nerve with this particular person yeah
3: in a way even went <laughs> as far as insulting my education <laughs> yeah you know, you know I, yeah. I i do I, I make fun of my high school a lot it is a little like podunk town and sometimes i'm embarrassed to tell people where i'm from when they ask me so i just say nashville
2: <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> but you know um uh, i did have some really great teachers and in um It it was a pretty good education, and you know, it's my fault for not listening and paying more attention and doing my work and stuff. You know, I could have learned, I could have gotten a lot more out of it, and I could have learned a lot more if I would have just put forth the initiative. And and so, no matter how bad the educational system is, what, what I'm saying here, no matter how bad it is. Um, it's the student's responsibility to want to learn or not. Because even if they're not teaching the material out of the books the right way, the way that they should, if that student actually like had the prerogative to to want to become something, you know, go into an intellectual uh, career later on, then it's it's his prerogative to pick up that textbook and really take something away from it.
4: Yeah, that goes into all kinds of other issues too, because you have an education field, you have the whole idea of blame the teacher, but the teachers aren't doing their jobs. A lot of it is the kids. A lot mm-hmm. of it is the exactly. kids that they that t- are not attempting to learn, or or don't care about learning. Yeah, yeah. are they in an environment where learning is not uh, supported by the population? Exactly, Or looked down upon? Then you take someone hey,
3: like me back yeah. in high school. You know, I'm. I didn't. I wasn't listening. I wouldn't even take my textbook to class. I'm like, this is stupid. <laughs> You know, I was like, now
4: you look at it differently because you've grown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And one point, too, that that I made in my response was that, you know, you were 27 years old and I'm 38 years old. And I can think when I was 27, you know, my ideas were not as much vastly different, but different from what I believe now. Mm -hmm. You know, there's definitely things that I held dear, um, knowledge wise that I thought that I knew everything and, and I didn't. So you're going to get to a point where you might change your mind on this, on this issue.
3: Maybe, you know. I, it wouldn't be the first time I've definitely changed my mind I feel like a total hypocrite sometimes dude I'll, I'll be preaching something one day You know uh, when I was on my whole health kick And everything I, like, I was only eating Like organic stuff And and I was uh, like reading the ingredients On every cosmetic product And every uh, processed food And now I'm just like munching down on whatever It's in the fridge <laughs> doesn't matter if it's mine or not <laughs> and I'm feeling sick, rubbing my belly afterwards, sitting there in front of the yeah. TV, just, just withering
4: away. Well, I hope this kind of addresses a little bit of it. And I I definitely, you know, to say to anybody that's new to listening or you've only listened to, like, the first few shows, uh, you know, Luke is my friend, and I keep him around here for entertainment purposes in many ways <laughs> but also Luke will come up with these questions that I have never even considered thinking of that's because and, I
3: never read the books so me-
4: <laughs> yeah you just sit here and just like oh dude I don't know man <laughs> but you do but you do think of those questions that I would not even remotely think of and I usually enjoy the questions so you know defend my co-host here a little bit Thank yeah, you it's, sir It's bro time Thank you sir <laughs> Broing out to the max <laughs> Alright guys Well we're gonna take a break here Uh break for us But uh, you'll hear the interview right away As as usual But uh, we'll be right back With uh, Dr. Jim Fetzer On Conspira Normal Hey we are back on Conspira Normal And uh, it's your host Adam Sane And of course your Awesome co-host Luke Reed Yes sir and uh, we have on the line uh, Dr. James Fetzer, who is a professor emeritus at the University of Minnesota Duluth. And the, uh, it said in your uh, bio online, it's in the Department of Philosophy. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. And uh, Dr. Fetzer is responsible for helping to start um, Scholars for 9-11 Truth, which is a, a team that looks at uh, 9-11 uh, critically. Uh, challenges the official story. Uh, we're not going to talk about 9-11 as much tonight, as I want to get into a subject that we talked about a few times on the show, and that's the Sandy Hook subject, Sure. which Luke isn't too much into anymore, but we'll try to get well, him I, back into know, I, it.
3: I was super interested in I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that you will have something that will catch my attention, though. Right. I'm, yeah, looking let, forward to it. Well,
2: let me just say a word about 9-11 before we move to Sandy Hook, which is that I founded... Scholars for 9-11 Truth in December of 2005. I was the keynote speaker at the American Scholars Conference that Alec Jones organized in Los Angeles yep. in mid-2006, and where four members of Scholars were the panel discussing the event, which Alex, uh, mo- uh moderated, that was filmed by C-SPAN and then run on the, uh, you know, seven or eight good times, I was flown to Athens that year in December to appear on a -a three-and-a-half-hour television program about 9-11 that was broadcast worldwide by satellite. I organized the first national conference for scholars here in Madison in 2007, its first international conference in London in 2010, its second international conference in Vancouver in 2012. I have many articles about uh, 9-11, uh, on Veterans Today, where you can find the archive of my articles, and there are probably close to a hundred, though not all of those are on nine eleven, but probably a couple of dozen, at veteranstoday.com slash author slash fetzer. And in relation to the Vancouver hearings, if you go to www.911vancouverhearings.org, org, You'll find a layout and uh, most of the presentations uh, for that event there. So, you know, I've been very active in nine eleven for a very long time.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, the nine eleven that press conference—I um, watched that whole thing. I had it uh, downloaded onto my computer uh, from C-SPAN. Um, that was one of the most eye-opening and pretty life-changing. Uh, events for me watching that, um, that there were so many people that believed that 9 that there was more to it than what we were being told. Yeah, that's where I, so,
2: that's where I did the uh, top ten reasons the, the uh, alleged hijackers are fake.
4: And there's also, in a way, uh, for Sandy Hook, there's a lot of reasons why, and, and, and you believe that Sandy Hook, that that was a... Not necessarily a false flag event, but more of a false event. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Let
2: me give you the thumbnail sketch on Sandy Hook now. Absolutely. Uh, I, uh, my first article published about Sandy Hook was, uh, oh, I don't know, within a week of the event, maybe even uh, closer to it than that, where the information we had available at the time suggested there'd been a three-man hit team there, that a white van had been traced back to Greenwich Village to a Mossad safe house that was loaded with Nazi paraphernalia, and I published that with uh, Press TV and subsequently on Veterans Today, Uh, but the title somehow was introduced in the midst of all this saying, you know, Israeli hit Team Slaughter as children at Sandy Hook. Now, I was just just reporting the evidence available at the time and suggesting this may be what happened. I wasn't declaring it to be what happened, but in fact, you know, uh, Wikipedia... After I participated in a conference on academic freedom, are there limits to inquiry? Uh, JFK, nine eleven, and the Holocaust butchered my Wikipedia entry and took out more than half of it. That was with regard to all my research on JFK, nine eleven, Wellstone, Sandy Hook, Boston bombing, international affairs. They just gutted it, and I published about it in an article entitled. Uh, Well, well, the URL uh, reads something like, uh, Wikipedia flexes its uh, Zionist orientation again, uh, though the uh, title, when you get there, will be uh, James H. Fetzer, uh, Wikipedia, the free encyclopedia busted, because what I do is show you what they did after I participated in the conference compared to my encyclopedia entry before the conference. I just happened to have a relatively recent copy of it that I'd made. And you'll just see the atrocity here. People who think that Wikipedia is a reliable source for any information related to political events got to think twice. Uh, For example, I discovered long ago that they were giving a false, inaccurate history of scholars for 9-11. Truth, I went online. You know how they say anyone can correct it? I, I spent a half a dozen times trying to correct the entry on scholars. Every time I was rebutted and reverted to the original, and finally I got into an email exchange, you know, an online exchange, because you can get into a I- I- chat room, as it were, with the editor. And I said, you're not going to let me correct it, are you? And he said, no. I mean, that's really what's going on with the Wikipedia. It's a politically oriented Zionist stop, and anyone who doesn't understand this uh, is being diluted. They, they play on the fact that most of the non-controversial, uh, common, ordinary scientific stuff is straight and relatively accurate and reliable. But when it gets into a political issue, it's completely the reversed. So that just to give you an illustration, I've been invited to, to a, a small community in Minnesota by the name of Northfield which has two liberal arts colleges, one St. Olaf, the other Carleton College. That's very interesting to me because Paul Wellstone was a professor of political science at Carleton before he became a politician elected to the Senate and all that. So I was invited to speak about JFK 9-11, Wellstone and Sandy Hook. I mean, actually invited us to speak four different times, once a month for the four months beginning in February, where he was also having... He was having two of these events a month and wanted me to do those four. Obviously, a good choice. I'm an expert on all of this. I'm probably the only one in the world who's an expert on four, all four of those subjects. But it created a huge controversy because there is a fellow up there who says he's a defender of Israel. His name is Alan Rubenstein, who, who launched a vendetta, just a vicious attack on me and on the owner of the pub, whose name is Norman Butler, Uh, for considering me, because he's calling me an anti-Semite and a Holocaust denier. Uh, The anti-Semite thing is completely ridiculous. It's a parallel to what American corporations have done with foreign national leaders who who want to use the resources of their nations for their own people. They accuse them of being communists. Because they're cutting into the profit margins of these big corporations. Anyone who cuts into the profit margins of a major American corporation is thereby a communist. Anyone who is critical of the actions or policies of the nation of Israel is thereby an anti-Semite. Now they, I think
4: there's a very, I think there's, a very, there's there should be a distinction between the two, but unfortunately. Well, well of course, but,
2: having bit, but, but this is a point I'm making here, Adam. Yeah. The point is, to be an anti-Semitic is to disvalue or discount the value or opinion of any person because of their ethnic origin or religious legacy, uh, particularly if it has been appropriated by uh, Jews. And it's just not the case. I don't care about Jews as Jews. I care about Israel and its actions. Criticizing the actions and policies of Israel, such as the slaughter of Palestinians during the Gaza incursion, is not... Being anti-Semitic, and it really outrages me that we have this guy in Northfield who's trying to get the pub shut down. He's telling everyone they should no longer patronize this wonderful place called the Contented Cow. I was just online looking at uh, you know the write up about it. Just a wonderful place uh, where the guy had even uh, you know he'd read where this Alan Rubenstein had, had published a, a letter to the editor in the local paper called the the Northfield News and had said how he thought it was unfortunate there weren't uh, more exchanges about Israel and Palestine. So Norm set one up. He invited a local guy uh, to represent the interests of Palestine, and him to represent the interests of Israel. And uh, a week before they were supposed to debate, which was just a week or so ago, he backed out on the ground that Norm was going to feature me as a speaker, and ba 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 ba. Now there's a very nice uh, blog that has been published about this by a guy named uh, Marshall. I'll find his uh, blog here. I think I have it at hand. Uh, But if not, there are two places you can go to learn more about this. One is I published an article in Veterans Today entitled The Abdication of Reason and Rationality in Northfield, Minnesota. Very nice blog. I published some emails that have been sent to Norm telling him, you know, he can't feature me and so forth. But none of these people have a decent reason. You know, they all say the same unfounded claim that I'm supposed to be anti-Semitic. Now, the business about the Holocaust is another story. That's very, very interesting. Because a friend of mine in the U.K. who's a leading expert in the world on the 7-7 London subway you know, bombing attacks, he's published a book called Terror on the Tube, now in its third edition, has published a new book entitled Breaking the Spell about all the evidence that the official narrative we have been told, what you read in books, newspaper accounts, all that, endlessly repeated, about six million Jews having died from being gassed in chambers using Zyklon B, just cannot withstand uh, scientific investigation. And the key points he makes are the following. Individuals who die from, from gassing by Zyklon B, their bodies turn pink. This is a law of biochemistry. It cannot be violated. It cannot be changed. But we have no reports of pink bodies. In addition, the walls of the gas chambers, if Zyklon B were used, would turn blue. This is a law because of the iron component in the walls. This is a law of material science. It can't be violated. can't be changed. So what do we find We find that in the alleged gas chambers, none of the uh, walls are blue. But in other chambers that actually were used for delousing, because they had a major problem with body lice and spreading diseases and so forth, the walls are blue. So what could be more obvious that those two tenets aren't even sustainable on the basis of very elementary scientific consideration. Laws of biochemistry, laws of material science cannot be violated, cannot be changed. And moreover, it turns out that the whole story of the six million uh, was anticipated by no less than two hundred and thirty-six newspaper articles about six million Jews being in distress or fear of their lives that began appearing in newspapers in 1890.
4: 1890. I don't need to. So say, how? I, so how many? How many do you do you feel? Well,
2: if you go by people the, died. The, 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 Listen, there are 236 of those entries before the Nuremberg Tribunal, okay? What's going on here is that the, the Allies were bombing German cities. They interdicted the railroad lines. It was therefore impossible to resupply the cli- the camps. These were labor camps, work camps. You can't get any work out of a corpse. And uh, yeah, So, you know, this was really uh, remarkable. There's a brilliant article by Robert Forusson entitled Against... Uh, revisionism, Hollywoodism, everyone needs to read. Absolutely brilliant. But the fact of the matter is that the uh, the International Committee of the Red Cross was visiting the camps. They were keeping very meticulous records of who died and the cause of their death. And when you tote up the number from the International Committee of the Red Cross, it's like 296 and 81 Thousand uh, two hundred and ninety-six thousand eighty-one deaths from all causes, gypsies, Jews, the mentally, physically infirm, no support for the 6 million. Appears to be, it appears to be a number that was based upon a disputed passage in Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the, this part of the Old Testament, that, that has been interpreted as saying that the uh, the, the the chosen people cannot return to the promised land until they're minus six million who have been consumed in the flames. So when they were trying to figure out how to you know divest the uh, vindicate the allies from responsibility from all the deaths of Germans during their massive bombing, which by the way was a form of collective punishment of the German people for the actions of their leaders, which the Nuremberg Tribunal would declare to be a war crime. Uh, They foisted it off on Hitler. No one has ever found any plan that Hitler had to exterminate all the Jews. He, He may have wanted to dislocate them. That's true. Millions of people died in World War II. It was terrible, great atrocity, all kinds of territorial aggression and all that. It's just that this part of the narrative we are told is not true if we examine the evidence scientifically. So here he got this guy, who's the defender of the faith, attacking me and Norm, wanting to put him on, out of business, not allow me to speak. i published on this now. I've already mentioned, you know, uh, two, two, there are two places. Not only do I have that article in Veterans Today, The Abdication of Reason and Responsibility in Northfield, but I have an article also about uh, Nick's research because he invited me to write the preface, the foreword to his book. And you can find that entitled the, the Holocaust Narrative, Politics Trumps Science. Now, this place called the Contented Cow has also been the subject of uh, an article in the Northfield News, the local newspaper, and it has over 100 comments, and you can read them on both sides. Uh, if you do a search on anything like um, uh, Contented Cow uh, speaker, bruise, controversy in Northfield, you'll get the article in the hundred. Uh, now, the reason I mention all this is that there's an awful lot of lack of open mindedness, and some people there seem to be having a feigning spell over the fact I was going to speak about Sandy Hook. And yet we, okay. and yet the evidence for Sandy Hook is overwhelming. I mean, since that first article I published, at least, 33 more articles. I'd say the total probably is up to about 36 articles I've published on Sandy Hook. I've been working well, in collaboration.
4: What are some of the... What are some of the, uh, I'm getting what is there. Some
2: I'm getting athletics. there. I've been working in collaboration with three other professors and literally dozens of independent researchers. What we have been able to establish includes the following. Number one, okay. the school was closed by 2008, and it appears the okay. reason was it was loaded with asbestos and other biohazards how do we know? We have video inside and out. It's in decrepit condition. Uh, there's one exit, wooden exit, that has a steel bar sticking out from it. Where a little kid, this was a kindergarten through fourth grade school, would impale himself. Out. There's weeds. There, there, you know, there's all kinds of stains, uh, ill repair inside. All kinds of storage throughout the building. They're not up to uh, legal requirements for Americans with Disability Act requirements. The parking area is not blue and white. There's no signage for the disabled. And when you look at photographs of the parking lot, all the vehicles in these two center rows uh, are pointed toward the school. But if you follow the directions for driving, you'd come in, you'd take a right, and then you'd curl around and you'd be parking away from the school. It's, this is an obvious sign, once you understand what's going on, that when they loaded in the cars, they just brought them in the simplest way in a big line, and they just filled them in all pointed toward the school, didn't even think about it, the violation of the parking requirements. We also have photographs of the parking lot with no cars in it, and believe it or not, this may be the only parking lot in the world that has no oil stains. It's been so many years since it was used. So that huh. so that's okay. that's number 1. All that is online. I published an article about it entitled Sandy Hook Elementary School Closed in 2008, a stage in 2012, uh, and in other more recent articles, uh, you know, another 10 reasons Sandy Hook uh, uh, was a hoax. Uh, I reiterate it. Number 2, there was therefore no evacuation. How do we know there was well there were no students to evacuate. The school was closed. So we take the, take the police reports about where the evacuation was taking place, where you'd find children at specific times and in, in specific locations, and we have dash cam footage for those times and those locations. And guess what? No children. No evacuation. I mean, it's simply absurd. So, I mean, and there's no evacuation because there were no children there. It was a closed school back in 2008. It was used as a prop. Here's a third finding. So we have this iconic photograph of a string of some fifteen students being led by a policewoman that was put sent worldwide. This was on the front pages of every, virtually every newspaper in the whole world.
4: It was. Yeah, I was going to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah, well, uh, it
2: was taken by uh, the Newtown Bee photographer Shannon Hicks. She's also an associate editor. Well, we found a second photograph taken from further back, and it turns out there are six or seven parents there watching this with their arms folded. It's not an emergency. The policewoman is even rearranging the children in the sequence to get a better shot. And in the background, there are two more parents that are just looking on as though they're lounging at the school massacre.
4: I mean, th- Dr. Fetzer, was this even the same day that those pictures no, were no, taken? No, no, no.
2: It looks as though it was, they were taken in advance. Wolfgang Halbig, the former Florida State Trooper, School principal and nationally recognized school safety expert uh, has told me that he now believes it was taken in October. Uh, There are obvious signs it wasn't taken on the same day. That day was a cold day. It was 28 degrees and there was uh, snow on the ground uh, or at least heavy frost. And there's no snow or frost. You see photographs of the automobiles. You can see their exhaust, you know, in the atmosphere because it was so cold. There's no exhaust coming from the children's mouths. They aren't wearing their coats, but that's been explained on the basis of the claim that, well, they were in a rush to get them out of the school so they couldn't grab their coats. But it's all—it's a fraud. And Shannon Hicks is now admitted, and I have a series of articles about this. One is entitled uh, Game, Set, Match. Uh, Sandy Hook was a hoax. I have another entitled Shannon Hicks Denies Taking Her Stage Photograph. I mean, this is shows such nerve. I mean, we have cast iron proof that this is a fabrication and she's still standing fast. What else can she do, right? Otherwise, it gives the whole game away. But I publish in many places. If you look, uh, you know, uh, uh, when I have 33 articles, I don't remember or 36 articles, the name of every one. But I tell you, you just got to go through my articles and the proof is simply overwhelming. Now, number Number four. Uh, we have uh, analyzed. I have gone through the form, uh, the final report on Sandy Hook by Danbury State's Attorney Stephen Sedinsky, and it, it's about forty pages long. He does not establish a causal nexus tying together the alleged shooter Adam Lanza with any of his victims, including his mother, whom he allegedly shot five times with a twenty-two caliber rifle in their home or with any of the 20 children and six adults allegedly killed by the Bushmaster in, in, in the school. For example, in relation to the rifle at the Lonza home, Sedensky reports that they found no fingerprints on the rifle, but they did find DNA on one of the shell casings that led back to an ex-convict from New Jersey. As I, That all by itself ought to blow the whole thing out of the water. Why, if this Adam Lanza was shooting his mother and going to go shoot up all these kids, would he bother to wipe his fingerprints off the rifle? As though that were not, <laughs> as though that were not absurd enough. We have approximately right. 150 shells, I mean slugs, from the, from the scene, and it reports in a very significant and striking footnote, they were unable to match any of the 150 slugs to the weapon that was alleged to have fired them. But what that means is, this, is that this report is a complete farce. From a forensic point of view, it doesn't prove a single thing. Nothing at all. It has no value whatsoever. So, you know, Wolfgang has discovered, too, all kinds of other fraud and deception. We got this window in the front of the school. Adam Lanza is supposed to have shot his way in. Well, I'll tell you, this kid was supposed to be six foot tall and about 112 pounds, carrying all this gear to perform this massacre. I don't think even he could have got through that window. but, But this is even more extraordinary. We have a dozen to 16 Connecticut State troopers, all of whom claim they entered that way. Well, we have photographs inside and out. And from the out, okay, you got this hole in the window. uh, But in the inside, you see there's the fresh glass on the ground. None of it is ground or pulverized into the mat, and the furniture isn't even moved around. So the idea that you'd have a dozen to 16 Connecticut State troopers go through there is absurd. And as I pointed out, I mean, the Three Stooges would have known better. You know, Larry would have gone through to open the door to let in Joe and Moe. I mean, this is just stupid. And you have the Connecticut State Police with signed affidavits swearing they did something that they obviously did not do, and yet you have the governor, you have the state police, you have the school board, you have this new commission. Uh, I have written to the Sandy Hook Commission, which is now recommended, that no one have the right to have a weapon that holds more than 10 rounds in the magazine. Uh, They say they don't care about whether it's constitutional or not. Well, I care about whether it's constitutional or not. Uh, Maybe Barack Obama, maybe Eric Holder, maybe Governor Malloy doesn't care, because they're out to subvert the Constitution. One of the major reasons for the Sandy Hook thing was to create a cadre of these parents seemingly with impeccable credentials because they'd lost children in the school shooting and send them out as lobbyists for gun control all over the country. That's what's going on. This is the depth of deception to which the American government is sunk. Governor Menloy held a press conference the day of the shooting, and he reported that he and the lieutenant governor had been spoken to about this. And I, I asked myself, you know, that something like this might happen, and I asked myself, spoken to? By whom? Something like this? What could he possibly mean? There are only really two alternatives. One is he'd been spoken to that, that uh, some uh, demanded kid was going to come into a school in, in, in Connecticut and shoot up a bunch of children, in which case he ought to have taken the obvious step of alerting the school districts that they had to increase their level of security given the threat. But you'd suppose right. if they actually knew there was such a threat, they'd even know who, who, who was representing the threat. But he didn't do that. Second alternative, he was told they were going to take an abandoned school, they were going to conduct a drill, and they were going to treat it as a a live event to promote gun control, which appears to be exactly what happened. And it turns out on the 27th of uh, November, he received a visit from Eric Holder, the Attorney General of the United States. We have gone back to footage of Eric Holder addressing a National Women's Democratic Conference as long ago as 1995, saying that we have to brainwash the American people into changing their attitude about guns. And we have a quote from uh, Barack Obama saying he doesn't believe the American people are entitled to own guns. So we have the motive, we have the program, and get this. We have now discovered the FEMA manual for the event. It shows there was going to be a rehearsal on the 13th that was going to go live on the 14th which explains several anomalies, Adam Lonza's date of death in the Social Security Index is listed as the 13th. We have this portable sign saying everyone must check in. I, 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 we have these porta-potties. I, I asked a Gold Shield detective from New York whether it would be appropriate at a crime scene to have a portable sign saying everyone must check in or porta-potties. He told me it was yeah. absurd. Wolfgang has been unable to find the date of the porta potties what you read and the reason is because they were ordered on the 13th so if they release information about something as trivial as the porta potties it blows the whole thing and right in the manual it says everyone must check
4: in now I have heard too that there were Facebook uh, there were Facebook pages that were set up for the victim for certain victims ahead of time yes. I've heard that kind of yes. stuff as well yeah
2: yes. yes. Uh, an excellent uh, source on this is Dr. Eelwyn, who has a website entitled Fellowship of the Minds. Go to Fellowship of the Minds and look at her work on the, on the Sandy Hook Massacre. She is one of the very best. She has thoroughly documented this. There were all kinds of websites that were set up too early, uh, you know, a lot on the 14th because they thought that's when the event was taking place. You even have, you know, the alleged parents going on television like the McDowell's who had a a child, Grace, who allegedly died. And she's all dolled up. She's flirting with Anderson Cooper and talking about how her daughter's in a better place, showing no bona fide genuine grief, emotion, concern, care whatsoever.
4: Yeah, Well, the one that really blew my mind was the footage that was on CNN of the guy that uh, was crying, was laughing before he got up to the mic stand and then started psyching himself up and then acted like he was crying. Excellent, excellent, excellent.
2: His name is yeah, Robbie, that was Robbie the... Parker. Uh, his, his daughter, Emily, was allegedly yeah. killed. Uh, we have uh, photographs that look real funny. including one that looks like Emily sitting on the lap of Barack Obama, uh, but which may be her sister. But apart from that, he comes out laughing. He's in a jovial mood. (laughs) Then he turns and sees the press. He stops, hyperventilates to get into character, then starts talking about the loss of his daughter. I'm Robbie Parker, uh, the father of uh, Emily Parker, who died during the shooting. But he has the presence of mind to mention Emily Parker's donation site. Uh, now get 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 this uh Adam we have more than twenty seven million dollars has been given by Americans to these uh these bereaved parents twenty seven million uh the 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 first responders, including the police, who are even having lunch out in the parking lot uh you know which is just not something you would do if you'd seen a whole bunch of slaughtered bodies but very appropriate at a rehearsal,'re having lunch in the parking lot. The first responders are getting something like Two point seven million there have been several donations that have been been made. The Newtown school Board is getting fifty million dollars to build a new school the, the, the average cost for an elementary school for kindergarten through fourth grade nationwide is seven million dollars. But Newtown is getting yeah. fifty. Uh, you figure it out. This is a huge scam on the american people
4: i 've heard that there's some crazy real estate deals that have been going on, <laughs> and also too uh, the What I just talked about with the guy who psyched himself up, you know, people will say, okay, well, he was laughing before. Well, maybe people would deal with grief the same way. But when you watch that video and you see him kind of psych himself up the same way an actor would, it it was awfully suspicious to me. Well, of course.
2: and Adam, what you have to do is take all the evidence collectively. You have to take it as a totality. It's a basic requirement of scientific reasoning that you have to base your reasoning on all of the available relevant evidence. Evidence is relevant when its presence or absence or truth or falsity makes a difference to the conclusion. You put all this evidence together, and there's no doubt about it. He was faking it. He was acting. So was this woman on with Anderson Cooper. They're faking it. You're talking about these real estate deals. There's a whole host of indications that families were brought into Newtown and given homes for $0 in 2009, which were recorded on uh, Christmas Eve, which is simply absurd. Real 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 estate people have told me no one would do a real estate transaction then because all the banks and financial institutions are closed. But that appears to be what they did. They set up these families which were synthesized. They gave them free homes, set them all up to be participants in this scheme. This has been in the planning for years, for years.
4: What about the... Did you want to say something?
3: Uh, Yeah, I I got a question. Um, Do you have any statements from the people of the town who... uh, Okay. Do you have any statements from the people of the town who uh, claimed also that uh, the school was closed since
2: 2008? We have... uh, we had one uh, a woman who lived nearby who said everyone knew the school had been closed. Uh, she thought they might have been performing occasional special events there. Then she shut up. Uh, she may have been sent a national security letter from the FBI uh, directing her not to talk about this and, and not even to admit that she received such a letter. Something like this has been going on in the whole community. A lot of people know about it. You can't have a school like this closed and the people not know about it. But, right, because you know, I, know, I know that there was some intimidation going
3: on, you know, af- right after, immediately after the event, uh, you know, the, uh, the um, law enforcement in the town told everyone not to mention anything on social networking, no, right. you know, on Facebook right. and everything, so.
2: Well, see, the whole community is in on it. And and the people who are honest people feel intimidated because he knows what's going to happen to them. A number of the key players, by the way, have disappeared or been murdered. The, the one guy involved in those real estate transactions just disappeared. The guy who was in charge of the investigation, Sandy Hook, committed suicide. I mean, what was he, uh, 49, 59? There's a wonderful article by Tony Mead uh, that was published in James Tracy's memoryholeblog.com talking about a whole host of uh, missing or dead or disappearing witnesses from, uh, related to Sandy Hook. It's, it's, it's disgusting. So we got a yeah. member of our research group by the name of William Shamley. is a filmmaker. He actually lives in New London. who's filed a lawsuit. He's actually got three of them, but I think he only was able to file one so far uh, for a trillion dollars against the media for having been complicit in this. It's a brilliant idea. Because you can't get away with these things unless you have media complicity. In fact, I have a new article about Sandy Hook, uh, the Boston bombing, and the Charlie Hebdo online, entitled Media Complicit Complicit and Indispensable to False Flag Success. Everyone in your audience, if they look at nothing else I cite here, wants to look at that article, Media Complicit uh, and Indispensable to False Flag Success. Because they'll know already how we, how we know that these, all three of these were, were staged events, all three of them.
3: Right. And uh, what, what do you make of the man that was standing nearby in the woods that was caught uh, wearing the camo, the camo tank top? And the, well, it's real, the we are real
2: strange. I mean, that's part of why I thought you know, it was to convince the initial evidence this had been some kind of three-man hit team. It's all bizarre, but it's all been lost in the mist of time, you know. We actually had some halfway decent reporting from the national press the day of the event. We had one report saying that Adam Lanza appeared to be a non-existent person, and I do believe he's made up. If you've seen any of these alleged photographs, they took a skull and then they painted over it lightly so it would confer a subliminal impression of death. And another reported that the, no, uh, no, the automatic weapon, the Bushmaster, was not used in the killing. The the body was found with two handguns, and the the Bushmaster was elsewhere. But I tell you, when you have 150 slugs as a sample, the improbability that none of them would match the weapon that fired them is is approximately zero. I mean, this is just absurd.
4: Well, did it? Wasn't there something that they did? Uh, the cops had found. I think they had found like a a bunch of weapons inside the the supposed car. And then Well, there was, there was a, a, shot, there was a
2: shotgun in the car. Now, now this is no. interesting. One of the latest reports, and I think I only got it today, uh, shows that in relation to that blown-out window, that it doesn't appear to have been done with the Bushmaster, but by a shotgun. Uh, there's a special kind of shotgun slug that you can use to do things like that, to break out a window. And the evidence they report is, if you look from the inside, on the left, there's a kind of a magazine rack. But if you look at the back of the magazine rack, it's got a distribution of holes in it that would be consistent with a fragmenting shotgun shell having passed through there. Now, I want to spend more time on that, but that seems to be another indication this whole thing's a fraud. But when you have a dozen or more Connecticut state troopers giving sworn affidavits that are completely inconsistent with the evidence, something is terribly wrong. And I've already observed even the Three Stooges would have done better.
4: You know, what always bothered me was the fact that apparently the parents were not able to see the children's bodies. They apparently were, what we were told was that they were shown pictures of the children's bodies. Yes, yes, yes. As far as I'm aware, now, you know, some of the stuff I get from movies, but obviously, you know, uh, people, I do know someone that has gone to see a body. Uh, and they have and, the right and recognize them. They're right. Uh, yeah. is, yes, they're right. As a parent, you would think so. And that was just absolutely bizarre. It yeah, made yeah. no sense at all. Yeah,
2: preposterous. Now, what we have that corroborates that is, there was no surge of EMTs into the building. Even even the local fire chief and his daughter, who are both EMT qualified, rushed down to the school to help and were denied access. I mean, they were yeah. they were you know a quarter mile away. They rushed down. Uh, no EMTs were allowed in there. When you look up at footage, uh, you know there's also no ambulances. You should have had one ambulance after another taking these little bodies off to hospitals so they could be determined to be dead or alive by properly qualified physicians. None of that happened. When you look right. at footage of the of the roadway, the connecting the firehouse to the school, which was the only way in or out. It's all clogged with automobiles. Well, you, you wouldn't do that if this was a real legitimate emergency. You would open it up. They didn't summon the, the medevac helicopters. Wolfgang, who has participated in drills like this, said, you always bring in the medevac helicopter. He contacted those who had the medevac helicopter service, who explained they sat there waiting for the phone call to come, and it never came. This reminds me of JFK, where the best forensic pathologists in the country kept waiting for the phone call to come to go and attend to the, you know, the, to perform the autopsy on the body, and it never came. They had to have two incompetent doofuses who actually altered the body, enlarged the throat, took a craniosaw to his skull to enlarge the wound to make it look like something that had occurred by from a shot from behind. I mean, it's disgusting what the government has done to the American people and lied about it. Huge, huge lies. I'm not talking about some little Mamby-Pammy, you know, uh, the, the guy who claims he was at the bar with his buddy instead of seeing his girlfriend. I'm talking about huge events that have induced trauma and fear into the public's mind. This act at Sandy Hook was an act of terror. Terrorism is actions that are designed to instill fear into a population to make it more amenable to a political agenda. That is what Obama and Holder and Malloy, and the Connecticut State Police, and FEMA, remember, we have the manual, brought us at Sandy Hook. It was an act of terrorism perpetrated by the American government on the American people.
4: And after Sandy Hook, they even said that if anyone disagreed with the official story, that uh, those people were going to, if you posted online, they were going to arrest you. Like, they even had the power to do it. Yes,
2: I know. This is Lieutenant Vance, Uh, who said who is in charge and said, anyone who doubts our story is going to be prosecuted. So here you have Wolfgang Halbig, himself a former Florida State Trooper. He's sending uh, Freedom of Information FOIA requests. He's not getting any responses. He's making phone calls to agencies. Why? He wants to learn what happened so he can explain to the school districts he's advised, as a nationally recognized safety expert, what steps to take to make sure it doesn't happen to them. And the next thing he knows, he's got two local homicide detectives on his doorstep in a gated community in Florida, telling him that they're there on behalf of the Connecticut State Police, and if he continues to make these inquiries, they're going to prosecute him. (laughs) Uh, This is so blatant. Uh, Adam, it's so blatant, it's so disgusting. Uh, this is what the United States of America has been reduced to. Take the Boston bombing, okay?
4: Right, I want to get to that. Absolutely. All right,
2: l- l- listen to this. You're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. We have video where you can hear police on a bullhorn in the background saying, this is a drill! This is a drill! We have tweets from the Boston Globe saying there's going to be a demolition bomb explosion during the marathon for the benefit of the bomb squad and another saying it's going to occur in one minute in front of the library, and then one minute later it occurs in front of the Boston Public Library. You have an explosion that's a puffball. I'm a former artillery officer. That was some kind of uh, sawdust bomb. It was very weak. Uh, I don't think it had the capacity to kill anyone unless maybe you were sitting on it. I mean, it's simply ridiculous. No one died at uh, the Boston bombing. We have footage showing... These people waiting to play their roles in accordance with the script. We have this guy lying on the ground, allegedly having lo- had his legs just blown up, but there's no blood spurting. In fact, there's no blood there at all. You can't have these kind of events taking place and there be no blood present. The blood only shows up later, and it's, it's fake blood. It's Hollywood blood. It's reddish-orange, uh, and it doesn't go away. Real blood oxidizes, turns dark brown. You look more carefully at the guy with his legs blown off, who has, we have come to know as a, by the name Jeff Bauman. And there's a guy in a hoodie right beside him who's attempting to, helping him to attach a false prosthesis with a bone extension to be more horrific. You know, so when the public sees that bone extension, they go, oh my God, they don't notice there's no blood there. This is a complete fraud and fakery. Uh, when Stella Trimbay, who is a member of the Senate in New Hampshire pointed out that she thought it was a fakery and this guy was an actor because there was no blood there. Uh, the legislature in New Hampshire held a vote to condemn her, and she re- she retired from the Senate. I had a huge involvement with a big paper up there because they ran a story about it and, and it generated a discussion thread, uh, which I published under the title uh, Boston Bombing New Hampshire versus Jim Fetzer. But, you know, I discussed, for example, it, it, this guy... Okay, blown off his legs. What you do with that is you keep him horizontal flat. You know, you don't raise him because gravity will help the blood drain out. If he bleeds for a minute, he'll be unconscious. For two, he'll be dead. Instead, they put him in a, yeah, a wheelchair.
4: A massive loss mass of blood. Yeah. yeah. Instead,
2: they put him in a wheelchair and rushed him away. And would you believe that the vibrations were so great that it actually caused a false prosthesis to fall off and they had to stop and reattach it? And there's a tall guy in a cowboy hat running along beside him with a, a rag, very, very loosely uh, around his leg as though it's supposed to be a tourniquet. Uh, This guy in the cowboy hat, if you go back in the footage, is he's standing around waiting, waiting, waiting for his time to enter the scene in accordance with a script. We now have a Hollywood producer-director by the name of Nathan Foulkes who has identified that guy as an actor he cast in one of his own films, and what is going on is called hyper-realistic filming, where they try to make it as realistic as possible for the benefit of, for example, inexperienced combat troops, so they'll see what they might encounter in the real deal. And he said okay. it's obvious that this was was fakery, because in real filming, there wouldn't be cuts. But in the footage we've got, there are cuts. And get this, believe it or not, there are, uh, there are scenes that show Stephen... Spielberg involved in the evacuation. Steven Spielberg. You can find it online. Just say, images of Steven Spielberg at the Boston bombing. This wasn't labeled a Steven Spielberg production, but it appears to have been one. And I discussed this with Dennis Camino, with whom I have co-authored numerous articles about these phony attacks. And he said, well, Spielberg was probably constrained by his budget. He might have had only a million bucks. So he did the best of what he could with it. But I asked Nathan. I said, "We got these images of Steven Spielberg there," and he says, "I know." He says, "All of Hollywood knows." I can't believe someone of his stature would involve himself this way, but the whole film community knows.
4: You know, there's definitely a link between the entertainment entertainment industry and uh, the CIA. The FBI. There's, well, in this case, it's, it,
2: it, it's FEMA and the Department of Homeland Security. But that was staged yeah. in order to subvert the Fourth Amendment uh, by bringing in a, a military force. This also violates what's known as Posse Comitatus and 1887 um, um, statute that precludes using the military to perform police function. They were going house to house, evicting people from their homes without any warrant. This was unreasonable search and seizure. Uh, you had Mayor Bloomberg. Uh, well, you had you had Chuck Hagel, uh, then Secretary of Defense, saying he thinks we have to revisit posse comitatus. You had the mayor of New York City, who was a huge anti- anti-gun guy, uh, Bloomberg, saying, I think we have to revisit the Constitution. This is how it's being done. Big lies perpetrated on the American people to deprive us of our rights under the Constitution. It is disgusting. These people are all traitors to the United States. They're playing big roles here. It's, it's as disgusting as it gets. And I say again, look, if you you don't believe me, go to that article I mentioned, Media Complicit and Indispensable to False Flag Success, and you can see Steven Spielberg on the scene right there at the top. Yeah, Luke's pulled
4: up some pictures right now on his phone, actually. Uh, You know, one of the things that blew my mind and also to go back to the to the martial law that they were doing, that they were actually shut down that whole section of Boston just to look for a guy that was hiding in a boat. But I digress. One of the things that blew my mind was afterwards, uh, this whole thing about the Sarnaev brothers and the supposed um backpack that they put into the trash can and the governor of Massachusetts was asked about it and said someone asked him in the press did you see the video of them putting in the trash can and he said no I haven't seen it but I've been told about it now if you were the governor of the state where this major terrorist attack had just taken place I don't know about you but I would ask to see that video
2: look do you notice that there aren't EMTs no surge of EMTs or ambulances on the scene I mean, we got the the bullhorn. This is a drill. This is a drill. How can you have tweets from the Boston Globe saying they're going to set off a demonstration bomb and not recognize it's a fraud? And yet the Boston Globe is complicit. This is what I say again and again. Media complicit and indispensable to false flag success. Americans are so naive generally. They just accept if they hear it from the mass media, it must be true. Well, the mass media is complicit in all of this. We have thousands of newspapers and television and radio stations that are all collectively owned by exactly six corporations. Those corporations are in bed with a government. William Colby, former director, observed the CIA owns everyone of significance in the major media. Carl Bernstein published an article uh, in Rolling Stone in 1977 entitled The CIA and the Media, where high officials of the agency were boasting that their greatest successes had been with Time Life, The New York Times, and and uh, CBS. And if you controlled Time Life, The New York Times, and CBS in the 70s, you had a lock on American news. Now, the alternative media was so good about Sandy Hook that they had discovered the real perps, who were these Kraft International, this is a private army like Blackwater, personnel who were wearing khaki trousers, black jackets, black baseball cap with a skull insignia, where the motto of Kraft is, violence does solve problems. We have
4: This was the Boston bombing, and Austin. also Kraft. Was it, weren't they associated with Chris Kyle, who is in the news right now because of the movie, the American Sniper movie? Yeah, I'm
2: going to go see that movie to see exactly what's going on there, but I believe that's correct. Yes, yeah. yes, Chris Kyle was connected with Kraft. Now, we have photographs of two of these Kraft guys heading toward the location. One has a backpack, a black backpack with a white square on it the backpack that blows up is a black backpack with a white square on it he's rushing away no longer with the black backpack with a white square on it uh the two backpacks that went off neither of them look like the backpacks that the Zanaev brothers were wearing uh we have footage showing the older brother uh was uh Tamerlan was arrested by the police he's put naked stripped naked and put into the back of a police car the next thing we know uh, and his mother and his aunt identified him. I identified him, but it's better that it was his mother and his aunt. Put in this police car. The next thing we know, he's lying dead on a on a table. He's got a huge gash in his side. His face is black and blue. And we have a witness reporting she saw them drive over him repeatedly in an SUV, probably his own car. Then we have the story about the security guard being shot. I mean, the younger brother Zokar was very popular on the campus. A perfectly decent kid. It looks as though he went to the security officer because he knew him and wanted to turn himself into somebody who he could trust. Instead, they murder the security guard, blame it on Zokar, hides in a a boat. There are all these uh, shots fired. I have photographs of the boat. It's ridiculous. He's coming out unscathed. He may have even been a part of you know, uh, the fraud at that point. Maybe they were supposed to play a role. But the fact is, he's thrown down on the ground, and it appears that his throat is slit, so he can't talk. We have subsequently have this phony trial going on. I have tried to contact his attorney uh, and actually gave out her phone number on a radio show, and I'll bet a whole lot of people called to tell him that this was completely a fraud. I mean, how can she... She's she's trying to save him from the death penalty. Well, the whole thing's a fraud. What could be better than show show the tweets from the Boston Globe? You get him off that simply. Show him the tweets. Run the video. This is a drill. This is a drill. I mean, this is absurd. Uh, completely absurd. It shows a complete, utter corruption of the American system of justice. There is no justice. This is all phony, fraud, fake. Complete rubbish. Complete rubbish.
4: Well, I... I've had a theory about the Boston bombing for a while now about the possibility that, you know, the FBI has been going around and really targeting Muslim kids and sending in a provocateur that goes... And this actually happened just a few couple weeks ago uh, that this kid was... The American kid that converted to Islam and he... He had been with uh, someone that was a actually working for the FBI and they were uh, pushing him to make these statements and to threaten to bomb the white house and all this kind of thing. This has gone on for a long time with the FBI Uh, setting these guys up and giving them fake materials and then swooping in at the last moment and and saving the day. And I've always kind of felt that there was something with the Sarnayev brothers in that vein Yeah. that the FBI had maybe set them up and the possibility that maybe the brother, the older brother had outsmarted them and maybe planted a real bomb or they may have been in tandem with what you're, with what you're saying.
2: Get this. They went down to Florida to question a friend of the brother's. Was going to bring five, that up. Yeah, yeah five or six FBI and then and most of them left and the one remaining claimed that he was attacked by the by the friend and shot him five or six times I mean that's a great way of eliminating a witness who isn't being cooperative
4: right I'm telling exactly. you
2: uh, the 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 the, the uh, subcommittee of the Department of home uh, the of the Senate Committee on Homeland Security released a report on 3 October 2012 based upon its review of 680 reports from fusion centers from all over the country, where fusion centers merge federal, state, and local anti-terrorist activity, gathered between 2009 and 2010. And would you believe, Adam, in those 680 reports, they found not one, not a single example of domestic terrorist activity, zip, zero, nada, none, nil, ridiculous. There is no domestic terrorist activity. They're faking it. They're, they're trying yeah. to draw people in, just as you're describing. The FBI has become a major perpetrator of fraud on the American people. They they aren't solving crimes. They're committing them. And they're eliminating witnesses. I mean, this is grotesque.
4: I wanted to ask you, too, about two, a couple other events. Uh, the Aurora shooting in 2012, uh, the Batman shooter, the Dark Knight, and one that i don't know a lot of people are familiar with it kind of made a lot of news at the time and that's the elliot roger uh, the guy that shot a bunch of people in Elavista, vista california and that one was odd as well because you had some very strange and contradictory statements from the police yeah. where they were saying well first of all Supposedly this kid was in a car and he was shooting and he was driving and shooting at the same time, which, uh, you
2: know, these are both ridiculous on multiple grounds. My colleague, Dennis Camino, whom I mentioned previously, authored an article about it worth checking out entitled the nexus of tyranny, Tucson, Aurora and Sandy Hook," because he believes even the Tucson shooting was a fake thing because you had the, the alleged victim on a, mean uh, <laughs> taken away, and there's no blood. There's no blood. Uh, I believe the actual target there was a the judge uh, who had to be taken out for whatever reason. But, uh, you know, uh, others would be better to address these. I'll say uh, the, enough of what I have seen about them suggests to me they were also fraudulent. Dennis would be great. I think he'd make a great interview for you. I'll let you know how to get a hold of him.
4: Okay. Uh, you know, the the Elliot Roger thing is interesting as well because it fits in with this narrative. Uh, supposedly this kid, well, he was or he wasn't. Uh, he he did or he didn't have Asperger's syndrome. Uh, Adam Lanza had Asperger's syndrome, right? His father was the assistant director on the first Hunger Games movie. Yes. Yeah. Well, where is the author of the Hunger Games? Sandy Hook. Sandy Hook, Connecticut.
2: Let me say something about the Asperger business. It's a, it affects motor control and coordination. You have these bizarre stories about Adam Lanza that are utterly beyond belief. How he did some uh, some dance-dance thing for 24 hours, ridiculous. How he was shooting all these kids with this high ki- kill-to-target ratio. Uh, I, as a former Marine Corps officer who used to supervise recruit training, uh, the expert that Sophia Smallstorm used for the monologue with which she begins her wonderful study, unraveling Sandy Hook Uh, another expert uh, Mark S. Mann who was interviewed by Joyce Riley on the Power Hour who's actually from Connecticut we all have attested that this is impossible shooting by this guy the whole thing is completely fabricated, it has no substance to it whatsoever we even have the manual it was a drill on the 13th it went live on the 14th everything about it is phony, fraudulent and I say again Anyone who wants to understand Sandy Hook or the Boston bombing or or uh, 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 Charlie Hebdo, uh, just go to the single article I mentioned to get your eyes open entitled Media Complicit and Indispensable to False Flag Success. You won't believe what you're going to see and read. Yeah.
3: Um there are so many false flag cases, and and we had another episode uh, one time that was fully uh, dedicated to false flag terror, and you know throughout the episodes, it's it's really opened my eyes. Listen, uh, listen
2: to this, you're going to love it. Uh, okay. Kevin Barrett, with whom I have done many events, we first met in Chicago when the first National 9/11 event took place. Uh, but he also lives in Wisconsin, and we've done ten or twelve, maybe more events together. And I, uh, we had a long-running radio show a year and a half on Genesis entitled "The Dynamic Duo" because I had five days, but I wanted to do only three. So he did Monday, Friday. I did Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Called "The Dynamic Duo." There's even a book published about it out there with the same title, "The Dynamic Duo," by a brilliant guy named Mike Palichak from uh, Duluth, who just thought that what we were doing was attempting to you know, inform the people about the truth about these matters comparable to the White Rose in Germany at the time where they were, you know, wiped out, shot, hung, and all that, which we would like to believe is not going to be our fate. But we're doing the False Flag Weekly News. We began it as the dynamic duo. We've been doing it for about five months now. You want to track down, but we've redesignated it because the focus is really there's so many of these taking place the focus is now False Flag Weekly News. is broadcast by No Lies Radio. It's a video. We show you the evidence. It's either a half an hour or if there are so many false flags going on, an hour. Uh, we have a tremendous positive response to what we're doing. Some people say it's their only, the only news source they trust. False Flag Weekly News with Kevin Barrett, Jim Fetzer, Go online, do a search, you'll find it on No Lies Radio, and just start working your way back. We discuss all these things in space.
4: Let me ask you real quick, Dr. Fetzer, about some of the connections, especially with uh, Dark Knight and the Hunger Games. Is that a, Do you think that there's a symbolism there, or do you think that that is more of a as we were talking about this connection between intelligence agency and, and, you know, Hollywood I think these things
2: are riddled with symbolism. There are all kinds of involvement. It may be that the Masons are playing an important role behind the scene. There's a major Masonic lodge uh, in the immediate vicinity of the Sandy Hook Elementary School, and it's been pointed out to me more than once that that the Masons are highly secretive, uh, that they're promoting... You know, Obama. Now, on the 16th of January, uh, 2013, this is—you uh, know—this is only a, a month and a couple of days after the alleged shooting on the 14th of December of the year before. Signed some 23 executive orders affecting gun control in the country and a new program for mental health in the elementary and public school system and for new forms of drug therapy. In other words, by the stroke of a pen, he's initiating a new billion-dollar industry, and uh, I've had multiple reports that this is going to include chipping. They're going to instill, you know, electronic chips in the children so the government will know where you are every day, every moment of your entire life, from birth to death. That's the objective here. It's disgusting. And Obama is a part and parcel of this, completely disgusting. And I believed in the man when he was a candidate for president the first time. I thought his background yeah. with the law, Harvard Law, made him the perfect guy to get our country back on a firm constitutional footing. I sent him a $100 five times, and it wasn't the same $100. I want a refund.
4: <laughs> uh-huh. well, you know what I think about Obama is I think that he just comes from the same um, – the same class of people. And I think his mother was probably all CIA. His grandfather, I believe, was involved with the CIA and the OSS in World War II. The same roster. I'm not, g-
2: not, not going dis- uh, to dispute you because the information I have supports what you're saying. And I just want to add how much I appreciate coming on the show with you. I will give you uh, a way to get in contact with Dennis. And if you want to do it again, I'll be glad to come back with you, the two of you, anytime you like.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Right on. Uh, I know that you got to go, but uh, it's been very enlightening, and I thank you for coming on. And if you can hold on the line for us, we're going to close this uh, close this out. But uh, yes. we'll be right back on Conspiranormal. Normal. You got it. All right, welcome back to Conspiracy Normal. Um, here we are. That was a very interesting interview with Dr. Jim Fetzer.
3: Yeah, I've been uh, putting ticks on your um counter, man. Uh, okay, yeah, ticks on my um counter. Your uh, count, yeah, the, you're you're up in the hundreds in this show. No, nah. <laughs> maybe about two hundred.
4: I don't feel like I haven't said um too much. No, nah, you're, to you're getting better. I'm trying to get away from the verbal crutches. Again. but but then again, you know?
3: But then again, who cares about the naysayers? <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, who cares? Um, uh, damn, did it again. <laughs> anyway, thought that was a very interesting interview. A lot of good information. The stuff about the Holocaust at the beginning was quite unexpected to me. That was something I didn't think we were going to get to really talk about, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. I want some more
3: pissed-off emails. Bring them on.
4: Yeah, bring on on the pissed-off emails. (laughs) I have to say that I would disagree with some of the assessments there. I'm not... uh, one of those people that believes the Holocaust didn't happen, or that there weren't um, Jews that yeah. that died. I, I
3: respect his uh, his viewpoint and everything, man. But I gotta trust you on this one because you're the historian here. Well, <laughs>
4: I mean, he's a professor of philosophy. Oh, he's a professor well. of beritis. I only have a bachelor's degree. But damn, I retract there... that previous statement. There. <laughs> okay, <laughs> there there are things that. Well, we have eyewitness testimony that it happened. We have the entire transcript of the Wannsee Conference, which was, yeah. took place in the beginning of 1942. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Different, Exactly. Where different uh, Nazi leadership got together and pretty much planned it out. Now, the footage that you see from the end of the war and all the corpses that were emaciated and being buried in mass graves. Those were not from the death camps. Those are from the concentration camps. That's actually what you were seeing. The death camps had shut down by the time that the American and the British soldiers had come into Germany. Um, the Soviets actually stormed Auschwitz, and it was actually already shut down by then. But to me, there's plenty of proof that the Holocaust happened. But Dr. Fetzer is entitled to his opinion. Um, I find it interesting, to say the least. And I'm one of the things that does bother me about... Holocaust denial is that there are people that are out there that are that are holocaust deniers and that they're actually in some ways persecuted by the govern by the governments that they're in as if the idea that you have you 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 have free speech in this country, you have free speech in other countries, but they're not allowed to voice their opinion and no matter how distasteful that opinion may be, I still think that it should be should be voiced, yeah, but that's just my opinion now what he was saying about Israel of people calling him anti-Semitic because he's against what Israel does in Gaza and in the West Bank against the Palestinians um, it is possible to be anti-Israel or anti-Zionist and not be anti-Semitic you're just anti-American Yeah, it's it america
3: you should support Israel I don't even know what the heck they're doing over there but I support them <laughs> Because I know that Israel stands for Jesus. I know
4: Israel stands for the Lord and for God.
3: <laughs> I really don't know what's. going I have no clue what's going on. <laughs>
4: yeah, uh, you know, we should do. We, we could do like a whole show on that man, just like an entire history lesson, just bore you to tears. You,
3: you tried to explain the whole like um, uh, fight over the Gaza Strip and stuff like that throughout the years, and I I still cannot, you're still confused. I'm still so I'm yeah, you Still don't I'm totally get it. Lost.
4: <laughs> Well, let's I mean, see. <laughs> let's go back to two thousand years. Jews are in Egypt. No, we're not. We're not even going to go there. Yep. Yeah, We're, we're going to talk about some of this um, in March with Doctor Future. Uh, he's going to come back on. And we're going to talk about some of the uh, crazy kind of <laughs> ritual magical practices that the Jews do and curses oh, that really? they put on people. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, Doctor we'll Future is awesome. Man. Talk about Kabbalism and yeah, and but but I do want to say and I do want to make a point. That you can be against what Israel does and its policies and not be considered an anti-Semite. But there are people out there that will tell you that you, because you hate Israel or you don't agree with Israel, what they do when they bomb people, that you are an anti-Semite or someone that hates Jews. And that's not true. I don't buy that. But I'm not someone that... uh, would consider like a Holocaust denier. Well, you know, I believe the Holocaust th- happened. This it how, happened as it was said. That is That it happened. This is a little
3: stretch of topic right here, dude. But how many Jews have you even met in your life? Like I don't know about you. Well, but I mean, a few. I, I never even say. I, ne- I never even meet any Jews. Well, when <laughs> like my not. when
4: I was young, my mother uh, worked at a place called the Jewish Center, and so I met plenty of people that were oh, Jewish. Okay, see me. Like, here, here in Nashville, well, in life, like life... we're also in the South, and there's not a lot of people that are... There are people that are Jewish in the South, but there's not, no, yeah. not a huge population.
3: Not, I've only met, like, you know, just a little handful of people that throughout my entire yeah. life that, is, that even told me they were Jewish.
4: Right. But I want to read a story here. You know, we don't read stories too often, but I thought this one was interesting, and I wanted to get Luke's idea on this one. And I'm trying to go... Um, this is uh, from TwinCities.com, Twin Cities meaning St. Paul, mm-hmm. Minneapolis. I'm trying to go to a news source that's not something like Infowars or Alex Jones, but this does have to do with a little bit with Alex Jones. A couple and their child were killed in an apparent murder suicide in Apple Valley, police said Sunday. The three this is in Minnesota. The three bodies were found Saturday in their Rambler home on Ramsdale Drive after Apple Valley police were called about 1 p.m. Police would not identify the victim Sunday. A neighbor who discovered the bodies said they were David Crowley, 29, his 28-year-old wife, Comell, and their 5-year-old daughter, Rainy. The neighbor, Colin Prochnow, said he had a passing acquaintance with the family. His wife, Judy, said our grandkids would go over and play with their daughter. It isn't known exactly when the three died, but the Prochnow's believe it was near Christmas. That's when they stopped seeing signs of life in the house. I assume they had gone somewhere for Christmas, said Colin Prochnow. The neighbors became suspicious last week when they noticed the same lights on in the home day and night. Colin Prochnow decided to check on them Saturday. As he approached the front door, he noticed Christmas presents sitting unopened on the doorstep. He peered into the house and saw three bodies and a handgun on the floor and then called police. According to police radio messages recorded by minnesotapoliceclips.com, police police reported finding the obviously deceased bodies on the first door of the home along with a very angry dog. That dog looked thin and was already skinny to begin with, Prock said. According to David Crowley's LinkedIn profile, he served in the U.S. Army. After five years, I had had enough and left to pursue filmmaking, the profile says. Crowley, who attended the Minnesota School of Business, wrote and directed a movie, Gray State. The trailer for the film shows FEMA agents spying on and killing hundreds of Americans. The tagline for the film is, The Second American Revolution May Not Be Remembered. YouTube videos show him promoting the film at several events, including at a Ron Paul rally in Florida in 2012. Twin Cities actor Charles Hubel starred in the trailer for Gray State, which appears to appeal to conspiracy theorists. Hubble said he didn't believe that Crowley, whom he described as efficient, disciplined, passionate, and inspirational, believed fully in all the conspiracy theories of government takeover that make up his film. When we talked about Gray State, I told him I'm not really into conspiracies, Hubble said Sunday. I told him I'm a Buddhist, atheist, tree-hugging liberal, and with a wink in his eye, he said, I'm just trying to get something out there. He always had that wink in his eye. He told me he had found a niche, a target audience, and could feed off that niche. The Crowley family would come to the Hubble house for dinner, and when they left at the end of the night, Hubble said he and his wife would stand in the doorway, watching the couple leave and say, It's always great to have young, gorgeous people come to our house and look as happy as they are, Hubble said. They were gorgeous and they had this happy and bubbly and talkative child. David and Comel Crowley met and married within three months, Hubble said. The pair met in Texas, where Comel lived and where Crowley was stationed. They married shortly before Crowley deported to to Iraq. They knew right away that they were a team and their marriage was going to happen, Hubble said. Crowley's LinkedIn profile shows he was in the military from June 2004 to August 2009 and was stationed in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Germany, as well as Texas. After the couple moved to the Twin Cities, Comel, who was a registered dietitian, received a Master's in Public Health and Nutrition from the University of Minnesota. The Crowleys had talked to the Hubbles after moving to Los Angeles, where Comell could pursue a career as a dietitian and Crowley could work as a writer and filmmaker. Hubble said he was blindsided and shocked by the news of the death. He seemed more grounded and focused than would lend him itself to anything chaotic. Hubble said, "The entire time I worked with him, there was nothing aggressive, or chaotic, or strange, or abnormal. He was one of the ones I was hanging my hat on who was going to succeed." And basically talks about how he had this business where he was training actors to be in, like, action films, uh, Some about, um, something like he had done, like, a called Bullets or something like that. But, very interesting article that this guy, supposedly people said that he was happy and he was alright, Then all of a sudden he ends up dead. In his family, dead. And he had... I had actually seen the trailer for this uh, a couple of years ago, called Gray State, and it was on Alex Jones. He actually went on Alex Jones talking about it, and it was very, it was very bizarre. It starts out with you know you get food shortages, and then all of a sudden, martial law is declared, and then at the end, people are being guillotined. It it was it was very very strange, very kind of like in the extremist conspiracy theory yeah. world, you know? And it reminded me of another death that happened not too long ago. I believe this was in Arizona a couple of years ago that this guy that was, he had been part of some drug trafficking operations in the 1980s. And he was a nine 11 truther and he was about to expose some people about uh, supposedly, was going to expose some people about nine eleven, and then he had also apparently had shot himself, shot his daughter, shot his two, shot his wife, shot his son and his daughter, and shot the dog.
3: The dog too. Yeah. Like the dog's gonna reveal this. But in this,
4: but in this case, <laughs> the dog was alive. So my question to you, Luke, is: Do you think that this guy? In Minnesota, do you think he killed himself, killed his family, or do you think there's something else foul uh, play involved?
3: You know, with um, there, it, there's an overwhelming amount of uh, media out there that uh, people are coming out with these days. You're the truthers that you speak of, you know, like they're coming out with so much media; it's just overwhelming. And there's just no possible way, in my mind, that any kind of internet agency or any kind of media agencies that could. Could cover up every bit of uh, the literature and, and uh, video that's coming out these days. There's no way.
2: Yeah.
3: So, um, for one particular person to get spied on, picked on, unless, you know, they really knew something secretive. Uh, And you said that it's out too, right? Gray, Gray stated. Well, there the, he,
4: he made a trailer. Oh,
3: it's just a trailer yeah. then. Okay. He made a
4: trailer and he was working on it as a kind of docudrama.
3: So, I mean, what I think is that we need to just watch it. If it's something, I mean, you know, it, it could, like you just said earlier, it could be PTSD and he shot his family because of that. and
2: yeah. Or
3: it could be that the, he really was on to something, so that just means that everybody needs to watch Grace Date and get the awareness of it out there. If there is anything that surfaces, it could just be like a fragmented thing that just disappears. I mean, I guess that's the key to this is, is where is the... Footage that he has so far. Well, we've
4: had, there's been a lot of mysterious and weird deaths recently in the last couple of years. And you had uh, Andrew Breitbart, who just killed over from a heart attack.
3: Yeah. Um, Which, which, uh. You had Michael Hastings, who was about to
4: reveal some, he was about to reveal some major news, and all of a sudden his car plows into a tree.
3: Yeah well um heart attacks seem to be uh you know the mafia was using something you know, well you know I'd actually let me go back i i just uh finished watching break it bad and everyone that's seen break it bad know that he he uh, uses this chemical <laughs> called ricin as uh like as you know to to kill people with like underhandedly you know and they they never know what hit him, and it doesn't right. show up show up in autopsy reports right. and stuff like that so i have never actually looked up ricin or anything but Something similar to that, I know that the mafia and the CIA have been using stuff like that, and that usually shows up as a heart attack, because you'll have these people like perfectly healthy. That that whole uh, thing that I was reading about, the guy, I can't remember his name right now, but the one that made the carburetor that could make his car go all the way across the desert in, in the 50s, you know, on just one gallon or two gallons of gas or something like that, and he just has a heart at- heart attack and just drops dead like out of his car. During his exhibition, like his showing yeah. of the car and going across the desert on two gallons, and uh, it, it's things like that, man. You know, perfectly healthy people just having heart attacks, and it's always a heart attack.
4: Just kill over, yeah. just, just for no, just for no reason, right? And like I said, Michael Hastings, and he just plows into a tree, and he had been revealing, I think, to his uh, girlfriend or maybe his uh, might have been his wife that. Yeah, he had this major story that he was working on, and uh, he's one that he interviewed um, General McChrystal in Afghanistan uh, before he was before he was removed, and just very mysterious how these how these people die. Yeah, uh, like I told you, the guy in Arizona that he uh, just just up in his, apparently shot his family and all of a sudden and you know, everybody says uh, people say well if seem seemed fine why would he shoot you know shoot his yeah. family well you
3: know but you, you know just as well though that uh that's a typical behavior of all of these serial killers to be just fine too and be like the best neighbor on the best uh contributor yeah. to the community like on the whole block you know and all of a sudden you well, know they're, you... they're killing women and using their parts as uh <laughs> fashion accessories you know <laughs>
4: Well, on that note...
3: (laughs) I didn't... (laughs) I didn't cuss. Yeah, I know. It just
4: was was fashion (laughs) accessories. New for 2015. (laughs) Come on, (laughs) Vogue! Would you marry me? Would you marry me? I'd I'd marry marry me. (laughs) (laughs) I'd marry me hard. All right, I think it's time to call it a night. <laughs> uh, next time in two weeks, we have Tracy Twyman coming on. Uh, we're going to talk about her book "Clock Shavings" and some experiments that she did with a Ouija board, talking to such people as Cain and Bafflemet. And I want to try to also to talk about a little bit about the uh, Merovingian mythos and uh, the whole um, Priory of Sion and all that stuff and sure. how supposedly Jesus was married and all that good good stuff. So, I want to thank everybody for listening and uh, thank you for uh, getting us to episode 69. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, everybody have a good night and j- join us next time on... Conspiracy.
3: You're such a perv.